Welcome to episode 141 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How was your off week? Um, busy, man. It's always busy. Just because it's an off week doesn't mean I'm not like working oh, no. my ass off. Yeah. I got a Big 12 podcast. It may be an off week for OSU, but it's not an off week for everybody. That's fair. So how, how did you enjoy the Saturday at college football? Um, I did. I watched a lot of football on Saturday. I, I got to watch some LSU Bama with a buddy of mine. I watched OU Iowa State. I watched a lot of the TCU Baylor game. Like I just, I watched a lot of football on Saturday. It was, it's nice to just sit and just watch whatever I wanted. Like I love watching OSU. Don't get me wrong, but like you know, when OSU's on, you can't watch anything else. And even if there's a a game on that might be better than OSU, you still got to watch OSU. Yeah, exactly. So it was nice to just sit back and and not care i don't want to say not care but not be stressed out just relax and watch football not feel my heart trying to like pound its way out of my chest and run away it was a pleasant experience yeah definitely i was during the 11 a.m time slot i was locked in on minnesota penn state and that game was fantastic and after we talk about minnesota in the podcast i love pj fluck i'm all in row the damn boat like seriously that 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 was a huge win for them, one of the biggest in program history. It was awesome. LSU Bama lived up to billing. That was a ton of fun. Joe Burrows, your Heisman winner, congratulations. And then OU, oh, Iowa State was the game I, I paid attention to at the very end. And that game, was I was pretty just having fun, just enjoying it. But when Iowa State started to creep back and Jalen Hurts that interception, I really got into that final game, final few moments. And then, you know, oh, you didn't, oh, you won. And then I was just, just slightly sad, like just, just a little bit. Cause I thought I would say really had a chance to do it in Norman again. I mean, yeah, it's fun for the, for the big 12. And I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll be blunt at hosting a big 12 podcast. I gotta be a little bit more. That's fair. Like let's have it. Let's, let's real quick before we go on OSU. There's a difference between rooting for your conference and being an SEC fan. Fair. There's a distinction between the two. You can want the Big 12 to be represented in the playoff. Um, but OU wins a national championship. I'm not bragging about it. Yeah. Problem with the difference, that's the difference between rooting for the Big 12 to succeed and for the Big 12 to succeed, it's it's a Baylor OU both winning uh, and somebody getting to the playoff. The difference is that SEC fans tout the fact that they're in the sec because alabama wins a national championship like that makes you as an arkansas or alabama or AM fan better than the big 12 or acc because well our team in our like they almost like wear the georgia or bama in the playoff as a badge of honor for themselves right. whereas i just want the big 12 to do well but i'm not gonna like run or suddenly buy an, an OU shirt and be like, ha, ah, we're we're better than there's no we. It's no, it's not a we. Like the Big Twelve had a team in that won the national championship. Good for the conference. That's good for the, the Big Twelve and its reputation. And the what is good for the conference is good for the teams in the conference. But there's a there's a big difference between me saying like I want the conference to do well, which means I you know it's fun when OU loses, but I'd rather them be good so that Baylor can win out. Oh, I hate saying that. Oh, that, that one, that one stings a little bit. I won't lie. Ugh. I mean, it's, it sucks, but also it's really hard not to like Matt rule. Like it's That's really true. hard not to like Matt rule and look at that program through very different lens because he's there. But the point is like, if you don't want to root for other teams in the big 12, that's, that's fine. I don't necessarily root for OU, but OU gets to the national championship game. Yeah, I would rather they win it than Alabama 
or Clemson. Like I don't want I want the Big Twelve to look good because guess what, folks? If the Big Twelve looks good, it does benefit Oklahoma State. Now I'm not gonna run around like yeah, the Big Twelve, yeah, like an SEC fan does. But that doesn't mean that I want the Big Twelve to look like shit. No, that, that's a completely valid point. So we're we're just gonna hop right in here. We have a lot to talk about. We got college football playoff rankings that came out. We're recording this Tuesday night. We got a preview Kansas, and then we got to talk a little bit of college basketball as well with Oklahoma State starting their season. So let's go right into the playoff really quick. Oklahoma State was ranked last week at twenty three, which was a little bit of, surpri- of a surprise to me as a three loss team. And then they get the bye week bump. Now they're twenty two, which I think is bye week bump. I love that. No, they're twenty one. They were twenty two. Okay, um, but so yeah, Oklahoma State comes in at twenty two. Top four is LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia one to four with Bama and Oregon on the outside looking in. Georgia at four doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I like I if Al- they, if they kept Alabama at four, I would have been okay with it. But mm. Georgia at four just seems wrong when you lose so- to South Carolina at home the way they did. Like if it that's too bad of a loss for them to be anywhere near the top floor right now. Oh, well, because I mean, what held Ohio State out of the playoff the last two years? Now, yeah. the, granted, they got blasted by Purdue and blasted by um, Iowa, but Georgia lost at home in overtime to a bad SEC team that's not going to make that's going to finish below five hundred. They're four and six and have to play Clemson, so yeah. five and seven. Uh, their starting quarterback was out. They literally could only run the ball, and you still lost to them. That is a gross loss. So how are we doing? So Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt because they have a good loss. But South Carolina, Georgia gets the benefit of the doubt because they beat Notre Dame, who's good, but let's, I mean, not like, yeah. And we're just going to ignore their loss? Meanwhile, here's a fun stat. So so from, from Paul Saban, the ESPN analytics, at 13th, Baylor is the worst college football playoff ranking in all time of any top four strength of record team. 18 of the top of the 20 teams, top four strength of record on selection day have made the playoff. Like we are, this is where I get frustrated with this stuff. We change the requirements to fit our narrative. Of course. Yeah. Every, every single time. LSU should be number one. Ohio State should be number two. If you want Clemson at three, that's fine. Georgia's at four because they beat Notre Dame. Alabama's at five because they barely lost, even though, let's be honest, they were soundly beat by LSU. They oh, just no, made no. it closer in the end. No, like that- They made the game close, but by that metric, then why is Oklahoma so low? Because they made it close to Kansas State, and that was on the road. Bama was at home. Like, why— the, Baylor being that low, well, it's their non-conference schedule. Okay, remind me who Alabama's played. Like we're we, it's just so frustrating that they. I understand that they don't want to have any set rules that that can be held against them later. Committee this way, they're brilliant in this. They absolutely are. They are politicians should sit and take a class from how the playoff committee explains things because it's brilliant that they they set it so that there's never a way for things to be brought back against them later on. They, but, it's every year they they move the goalposts, so to speak, of what actually is the requirement to get into the college football playoff. Well, it's not even every year. It's it's week to week. Each even team, sometime. the the, the goalpost is at a different place for each team every week. Yeah, for sure. Like that's the other problem. Why is Minnesota, who I understand the rest of their schedule was, isn't been very good, but man, you just beat the team that was supposed to be number four. Well, now they're nine, and we put you at eight. And I understand it's a nine nine position bump for Minnesota, but 
Minnesota's going to Iowa this Saturday. If they win at Iowa, they deserve to be number four. They should jump every one lost team up front out of them. Period. I'm done. I it's there's a lot of football to be played. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. This is all going to kind of play itself out. But I am officially rooting for chaos. Okay. I am rooting for chaos Absolutely. at this point because I want the committee to just sit there and explain to us why one loss. Alabama, who didn't even play in the SEC championship, is getting in over a couple of one-loss conference champs because they're going to have to try. They're going to try and do it when the only top twenty-five win they're going to have is over Auburn, or they're going to find a way to put seven and five, eight and four A and M in the top twenty-five just to justify them having one more top twenty-five win. I love it, uh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on chaos, especially like if I, like. When Oklahoma State is soundly not in the picture for the playoff, like that's what I root for. It's it feels just like the NCAA tournament when your bracket's busted. You just want every upset to happen. It very much feels that way in this case as well. Like yeah, we talked about it off air, but like I'm all in on a playoff of LSU, Ohio State, Minnesota, and Baylor, just to see how the rest of college football collapses in on itself. To have to watch that and have have the committee try and rationalize that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. it, it definitely is a, a – and also, Texas is 19. Why? Mm-mm. Look, if you want to tell me they're a top 25 team, that's fine. They have wins over Oklahoma State and, and Kansas State. If you want to put them ahead of those teams, that's fine. But they went from unranked to 19 because they beat Kansas State. Uh, I know it's nitpicking, but you have them ahead of Boise State, and no offense, I wholeheartedly believe Boise State would beat Texas on a neutral field. I agree. But I could argue that Boise State might go into Texas and beat them in Austin. I just uh, – and, and they had to come back from behind to beat Kansas State. So it, this whole thing is a little bit – like the Big 12, it's like they're getting pity credit because there's five teams ranked. We have five teams ranked. But un, the undefeated team is – 13th oh you dropped down in a, a position uh, three of them are down I just it's such a the, the problem for the big 12 this year and I knew it coming in to the season was this the non-conference slate was bad across the board mm-hmm. and it only got worse because teams we thought might be good haven't been Purdue has been awful okay Mississippi State the big win for Kansas State they've been awful the only good team on the non-conference, you go look at the records of all the non-conference teams they played. I mean, the, the the power five ones at least. LSU's the only good one, and Texas lost that game. Outside of that, UCLA's got four wins now. Oregon State's got four wins. Mississippi State's got, I think, f- maybe five. Like, there's not a good power five team outside of LSU on the Big 12 schedule. They did a shitty job of scheduling across the board. The conference needs to have a sit-down meeting with the schools and go, guys, we can't have this. You can make the argument, well, you know, we didn't know UCLA was going to be hot garbage. We didn't know blah, 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 blah. There's got, there's got to be a conversation. This can't be this way for the whole conference. The whole conference can't just have bad non-conference games because when we're talking about Louisiana Tech as one of the best wins that the conference has, Texas wins there, we got a problem. We have a real legitimate problem. Yeah, there's there's so many layers to to all of this and yeah I, I agree with you i think the the big 12 as a whole needs to start scheduling some of these better games so that you can kind of have that cachet of well you lost but if nothing else you know you at least played a good enough team that the, the committee at least looks at that because apparently quality losses do matter so it's like it's just like the joe lenardi logic 
on the for the freaking uh basketball tournament. Yeah. No, I this it's just frustrating. And I know there's and, and part of this is guess what? We're all talking about it and we're all mad and we're all having conversations and we're talking about it. And Which it's that's exactly good. That's good want. for ratings. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is if you think that doesn't matter, you're an idiot. Yeah, like I, I've got I, I've got a bridge I want to I would love to sell you. It, it feels like the first couple. I would love to go back and look at the first couple of rankings, the first you know of the years of the playoff that you know they maybe don't make sense to get everyone talking about it, and then it all kind of evens out as things have gone as you know and ends up being the four teams that we all kind of thought are four deserving teams. Uh, just to get us talking at least right now about it, I would love to go back and look and see kind of how how things shook out the first couple weeks the last few years. Mm-hmm. It, it'll it'll adjust. No, no, um, no. All right, so enough about that. OSU ranked, which is funny. I still am a little bit shocked they are, but I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. Um, uh, thanks. Kansas is coming to town. Les Miles is going to come back to Stillwater for the first time since he left for the LSU job. Did you know, and I, I'm a terrible person because I don't know who to give credit to, but I have to give credit to somebody because somebody pointed this out, and I think it was Scott Wright, but I could be wrong. This is the first time a former Oklahoma State coach has come back to Stillwater as the opposing head coach. That's wild. I, I it, it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, that's the that is that's crazy to think about. Man, the Mad Hatter back in Stillwater. Why? Why do I feel like we're going to see some crazy shit that KU is about to do this week? Like full, uh, because, we're going full Mad Hatter this week because he's going to want to win because they're going to bounce back from that down game against Kansas State where it felt like Les Miles took over the offense from Brett Dearman and had a bunch of weird calls that went poorly. I think Les is going to want to come into this game and let Dearman do what he has done so far in the season that has helped them to nearly beat Texas, beat Boston College, beat Texas Tech. Like I, I'll just say, I think Oklahoma State is going to win this game by double digits. That said, I don't, I don't mean 30. I think Kansas is going to put some points up in this game because Carter Stanley is a decent quarterback. Um, Andrew Parchment's a solid wide receiver. Puka Williams is insane. Puka Williams is still a good running back. Like it's it's a it's a it's a nice offensive line. It's not an awesome one. The defense has some pieces. Like it's Kansas. It's weird because they've got three wins and it's going to be like okay, what's different? But if you've watched this Kansas team, it's the best Kansas team they've had in a while. Oh, no, no, no doubt about it. Like they they are a solid team compared to what they've had over the last few years. It's just they're Kansas and they're still trying to actually get back to learning how to win football games. And obviously they've come close a couple times. They've, they've won some games. They got blown out last week by Kansas state. It, like I said, I, I think Oklahoma state wins this game. I think this, they win this game convincingly. Now it's not like we're, we've seen in the past where they, you know, win by three plus touchdowns and the line is 17 and a half. And even for me, like normally in, you know, in years past when it's Kansas, I'm like, take that for sure. Oh yeah, easy I think, money. I think Oklahoma State wins this game by ten to fourteen. I, I and I think it's not even going to be like it's closer than the score indicated. I think Oklahoma State finds a way to dominate this game, but we're going to see points put up by both teams. I still like the way that Oklahoma State's defense has gelled the last few weeks and has found ways to get turnovers, fluky as they can be, you know, at times. But the fact that we really haven't seen them get turnovers until this point at least shows me that maybe they're turning a quarter and everything's starting to click. And I think the offense is going to do enough. I really I don't know how Kansas is going to stop Chuba Hubbard. They haven't been very good against the run this season at all. Kansas State ran for 341 yards against them last week or two weeks ago. 
And I just, I, I don't see it right now that Kansas is going to be able to do anything to stop Oklahoma State. It really, it's on the shoulders of can Spencer Sanders hold on to the ball. And if it's one turnover, okay, Oklahoma State's got a chance. If we get more than one, we're going to have significant problems. So two, a couple of things I think are going to happen. One, um, don't be shocked if Kansas gets the ball and scores first. Yeah. Like opening drive, scores first. I'm just I, I I get a I get a weird feeling they're going to come out and have Dearman's offense and Dearman's offense is is well run it's well coached, um, and Carter Stanley runs it very well. Um, and don't be shocked if Spencer Sanders uh, turns the ball over at least one time. He's gonna here's here's my concern. He's gonna have a a setback game either this week or next week. I just it he's making progress. But I get the feeling he's going to have a setback game. I think it's going to come at West Virginia that's, uh, because see, that's Morgantown I, is a is a gnarly place to go play, even though West Virginia is not very good. Um, but he's he, he's we we know what his tendencies are now. If they come out with the same game plan they kind of had against TCU, get the quarterback run going early, get Spencer comfortable, have him making passes that are that are easy, um, and then you can attack them with with Chuba. That's and get the other one. I just I, this just feels like a game where it's it's close through a quarter. Maybe they're tied. Oklahoma State takes has a lead at halftime and then pulls away in the third and fourth quarter of this game and wins by fourteen. It doesn't feel like a game where I, I just this is not a team that's going to come out and dominate anybody. They haven't like they kind of did against Kansas State. I mean, but even that final score was a thirteen point margin. And that was when Kansas State played. I mean, the Kansas State was awful in that game. Like, yeah. we all wanted to get the defense credit, and they deserved some, but Kansas State's offense was god-awful in that game. They haven't blown anybody out since McNeese? Yeah. Oregon State at the beginning of the season? Like, I know they beat oh, Tulsa by about 20, but... That game was I just, even close for a while, and Tulsa had a lead in that game. This, I mean, look at your last few scores. You, 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 you literally have won 34-27 the last two weeks in a row. In the last two games in a row, I just this just feels like a. I mean, I know we're not doing score predictions, but I'm, I mean, this feels like a like a thirty-eight twenty-four kind of game. Yeah, I I would say that's about fair, I, and I and I think it's one of those that I don't think it's close for very long. If it is, like maybe maybe tied in the first quarter or something like that, I think Oklahoma State finds a way to pull away, and Kansas gets maybe a garbage time touchdown or two. But I don't think it's one of those games that. You know, it feels close the whole way and Oklahoma State pulls away late. Like, I, I think this is a game that off and off week, and I, I do agree with you that I do think Spencer Sanders has another clunker in him. I think it's going to be against West Virginia next week. I don't know if it's Oklahoma State necessarily loses that game. I think it's going to get close, but I feel like he, it's going to be a rough game on the road for him. Coming off an off week with a week to adjust to all of his other receivers without Tylen Wallace, I think we're going to see him play a solid game. Now, solid could be, you know, maybe 220, 230 passing yards at most and a touchdown or two, and then him running the ball for 75 plus, and then maybe a pick here, you know, maybe a pick or something like that. But if he can play a relatively clean game and find ways to make plays with his legs, make enough plays with his arm, then I feel pretty good about where Oklahoma State's at because Spencer Sanders or Chuba Hubbard is going to get his. You know, he's, you know, he he is who he is. I mean, he has an off week and he still leads the country by 150 yards. 
And it wouldn't surprise me to see him sniff 150 plus or 200 against Kansas again because he is that talented. And Kansas State is not that has not been good or Kansas has not been good against the run all season long. So that that's where I think the tipping point for me is is Oklahoma State has that many weapons. They have the best running back in the country. You know, here we go. And if not, and if Spencer isn't playing well, you can still lean on Chuba and be fine. Now, am I saying lean on him for 35 carries? No. But if they can get him right in that 20 to 25 range again, then I feel pretty good about Oklahoma State winning this game. If if Chuba is going to get an invite to New York this year, and it's still a big if, um, he's still not getting, I think, the legit national attention he deserves. If he's going to do that, this next three-game stretch is the opportunity. Yes. You have a Kansas defense who's not great, is good but not great. You've got a West Virginia defense that can step up and be good, but no one. And again, none of these teams have faced a running back like Chuba. Let's just be blunt. There, he's he. None of there is not another Big Twelve quarterback running back like him. I know Puka's is pretty good, but he's even. I don't. I'm sorry, he's not doing what Chuba's doing this season. He he needs to go off against Kansas, and he needs to go off against West Virginia. If he can put up 200 plus the next two weeks and a couple of TDs, the conversations will start will start coming in. If he's, you'll start to see his name more, and that sets up an opportunity where I've said this all along. At this point, if he wants a New York invite, he's going to have to go off against OU. Now you can't have a down week this week or next week. He needs to go off for 200 yards and a couple of TDs the next two weeks in a row, and then he needs to go off against Oklahoma. Like he, he needs to have a banner day against OU, even if OSU loses. If they can go two and one in the next three games. And Chuba can go for at least 200 in all three and like six, seven, eight TDs. He can get a New York invite. I, I will. I believe that will be enough to make everyone go. Okay. All right. Yeah. All I, right. I agree with you. I, because I if that ha- and that has to be and that's like best case scenario, or not even I, best I, case I scenario. Like that needs to happen. to happen. Yeah. That that's a, that's what that's what's going to have to happen. He's going to have to go on a three game tear in the season that makes everyone that forces everyone to go. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like we know Kansas and West Virginia aren't good. I know your defense is playing as well, but you just did you just put up seven hundred yards and seven touchdowns through three games. Um he's over two thousand. It's like that's what he's gonna have to do. He's gonna have to have over two thousand yards, he's gonna have to have a ton of touchdowns. Like if he does it, he gets an invite. I think I I mean he may not finish better than fourth, but just getting him to New York at this point is the goal. Yes. Everything you can do to get him to an invite to get there in New York would be huge for OSU. Just it would be. It would be huge, and I and I hope it happens. And I hope that they can. I, winning the games are more important. But I mean, there's a lot on the line for OSU these next three weeks. We, but that's that's what needs to happen for him. All right. So we normally do our uniform prediction at this point, but they announced them Sunday night in a video. They're uh, black, gray, black. It's an army, uh, like a whole military mm. tradition you know tribute uniform mm. cowboy battalion on the back you got the air force on the jersey you got the rotc patch on one side good god they are sexy <laughs> they are incredible um i'll be uh, uh, this is going to sound un-american i don't always love the um, military tribute uniforms in part because a lot of times they're god awful like an overuse of camo. I don't love camo. Camo as a fashion statement was done to make rednecks and, and weirdos feel better about themselves and, and not so odd that that's all they ever wear. But like I'm not – there's a point where 
when you're giving me like blue, gray, and white full body camo outfit, like uniforms, I don't like stop. It's, it's gross. It's terrible. These were done well. These were clean. They are simple. The, the detailing done with them, the patch, the cowboy patch is awesome. The cowboy battalion on the back is good. And those pants, that okay state right down That's the pant awesome. leg needs to become permanent. It's awesome. It is clean. It is beautiful. It looks awesome. Like that needs to be a permanent. I, I want that to be the new pants done. I don't I don't want to see any more old pants. I want those pants from now on. Those things. And one and I want you all to watch it on Saturday because I think you're gonna agree with me when you see them. They are fantastic. Yeah, and I love that they're wearing the brand with it too. Like I, I didn't I was I was interested to see if they were gonna have like a logo, like a new logo with it, or they wear the chrome uh brand like they wore against Iowa State. But having the orange brand in there is that it's you still get some orange in there and it's perfect. Like I think it's gonna be awesome on sunday and i'm gonna be at the stadium so i'm very on saturday and i'm very very excited to to see them in person yeah there, there's, a, there's a right amount of orange it's it's enough to on gray and black i like that it's an air force you know it's a it's a really good unique combo like it, it's it really is well done it's very tasteful it's not obnoxious it's it's they're pretty awesome I just, let's be honest they're pretty good all right, so since we don't, have to I mean, even when when OU fans are like, okay, those are good. Um, one note, and let's just go. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get this out of the way. We're gonna say it, and then we're not gonna talk about it ever again. Okay. There is still a scenario that Oklahoma State can get to the Big Twelve title game. Let's not talk about it because it's not gonna happen. <laughs> and it's not as stupid as as that. It's not that stupid. It's not that stupid, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, but it's not. Doesn't mean it's not fun to talk about. That's fair. That's fair. I don't see the thing is I don't want hope. I, I can't have hope. Please don't get oh, me no, hope. Oh, no, no, no. Don't confuse, like, understanding possibilities and hope. That's like, fair. Like, if we're rooting for chaos, then the perfect chaos is Baylor wins out, Texas loses to Iowa State, and OSU wins out. And guess what you get? Baylor-Oklahoma State. Undefeated Baylor versus 9-3 and three Oklahoma State. It's not going to happen. No, not There's at all. There's no way in, in any layer of Dante's Inferno that it's going to happen. <laughs> but... The fact that that scenario still exists at this point in the season, and I bring this up for this, the fact that that scenario exists at this point in the season, when three weeks ago everyone was ready to fire Gundy and, and just have a fire sale for Oklahoma State football when they were f- four and three, is why you can't overreact to every single week. Like it was, it sucked losing back to back games. Look at where we are right now. Yeah. Awesome. You have Kansas at home at West Virginia, and then potentially, potentially, because I think Texas is going to lose to Iowa State, and I think Texas is going to lose to Baylor. And I think OU is going to beat Baylor this weekend. But the point is, is, potentially, OSU could be playing in Bedlam to decide who goes to face Baylor in the Big 12 title game. That's crazy to think about, considering like, where this team was at about a month ago. It's, it's and that's the point. That's the whole point of having this conversation is, I don't think it's going to happen. I think OU beats Baylor this weekend, but I think like let's let's be honest here. Like let's talk about this. That's no point. Like it's not. The, there's so much in front of OSU still in a season where we're all just ready to be done. Yeah, three weeks ago. So 
settle down, and let's enjoy it. Now, if they go lose to Kansas, then burn it all down, fire sale, fire everyone, shut it, just um, I'll pack it in and start focusing on basketball season, which there's your transition. Yeah. Well, bef- before we do that, you have a score prediction. Is that 38-24? Is that what you're thinking? I'm going to – it's hard to think that OSU put up 34 on – a really good Iowa State defense and a really good TCU defense and is only going to muster four more points against Kansas because I don't think their defense is that good. So, hmm. no, let's let's say this because um, I don't think Iowa State and TCU's offenses are clicking all that well. So let's let's go with this. I think I think OSU wins. 41 to 24. I'm I'm going to say 41-24. which would be I'm trying to do my math right. Would that cover? 41-24? Yeah. If you, get, if you get it would, at 17, yes. Which I can, and I would get a push. I can get it at 17 at... Da, 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 da. There it is. Who is this? Who are you? Who are you? Uh, MGM Mirage. Gimme, 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 gimme. I will take. I'm gonna take it now on Tuesday at 17 and predict that they're gonna win by 17. I will take that 17. That way, when they do, I gotta push. I feel good. I will go. Listen, I I, I think Oklahoma State wins the game by two touchdowns ish. I th- and I don't think it's necessary. Like even if it gets within two touchdowns, I think it's one of those they just got maybe a garbage time score or two. I'm gonna go, man, because part of me wants to take more than 17 because I really think Oklahoma State's gonna come out and kind of thump them a little bit. It's tough, but I'm gonna go. I'll go 45, 31, and I think I think most of, I think most of Kansas's points come in the fourth quarter in garbage time. I think they, I think their offense can put up some points. Oh, for I sure. Do. Like I, I think Brett Deerman. And I don't been... think it will all just be. I don't think it'll all just be garbage time points. I think they'll put up some points this week. Everyone's really, but they only scored against Kansas State. Yeah, that, if you go watch that game, like the game plan was less miles getting weird and everybody overthinking things instead of just going with what they had done. Like I, I think they'll put up some points. I think they'll score some points. Yeah. So. Let's hope that that one wins. And then, so yeah, we talked about basketball season. Let's hope we don't have to pack it in and just go basketball on Sunday when we record the recap. But, hey, Oklahoma State's 2-0. They they played ORU and UMKC. ORU game was close. And, my God, I was at that game. It was one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then UMKC, they played a lot better. 50. I think. 50 fouls. 50 fouls. Uh, it was awful. I was sitting there with... Stop it. I, I was sitting there with a uh, with former site manager Cade Webb. We were watching the game. We were just like, "This game is horrendous." Like my only, the only thing that will uh, that uh, that I thought of that the only reason that it was that close is the, uh, some one ref had the ORU money line, like just just a major degenerate, you know, betting on the first weekend of college basketball. Yeah, just ugh. yeah, that, that that it was ugly. Oklahoma State found a. I will say this: they found a way to win an ugly game playing the freshman a lot and at least they yeah. found a way to how to close out a game I, I saw someone put it on twitter i can't remember who it was but i think it was a friend of mine but he said that yeah it sucks to to only beat oru by five in your home opener but to win a game like that early on 
shows the mm-hmm. freshman how to close out a game like that. Because when you face some adversity later in the season, you at least know how to win a game like that. So well, I mean, last year's I think there's, opener I th- was on the road, remember? And yeah, they it, lost. They blew a 20-something point lead Yeah, and lost. So no, it, I agree. Yeah. So I think that – oh, you could look back when, if Oklahoma State finds a way to win a game that's either ugly like that or that gets close at the end and they make their free throws. Win. Like you can look back at that Oregon game and go, oh, they saw that game won and they know how to close out a game like that. Cal- caliber competition is different, but the way that they won – could be the same, you know, and I do think they played a lot better against UMKC. That game got kind of ugly mm-hmm. in, in spots, but UMKC wasn't that good. And Oklahoma State found a way to pull away late in the game. Like whenever you get a Trey Reeve sighting, you know that the game got out of hand a little bit. I mean, it was if they had it, it never felt like it never felt. Yeah, it never felt like UMKC. It got a little close, I think, with about six minutes left in the first half, and then after okay. that, Oklahoma State found a way to pull away. I'll say this. We've we said that along that the, the the beginning of the schedule sets up really well for them to work on development. You're, you've got at Charleston this week, followed by Yale on Sunday, and then you're off until the following Friday, and you have a game against Western Michigan at home. I love that Boynton is playing his freshman as much as he is. Yes, you go look I, at the minutes I, right now. Um, I try to find minutes. Okay, so obviously your starters. Well, four of your starter, your five starters are, are averaging the most. Um, Isaac, likely at 28, Yorne at 22, 26 for McGriff, 26 for Lindy, and 23 for Dizzy. You're getting 11 for Keelan, 16 a game for Avery, 12 for Caleb, 11 for Loren. Okay, but and then 13 for Harris. Like your your freshmen are getting minutes, and I love it. I think it's I think it's huge. I think it's important because. This is the time you have. These guys have to develop. They have to get better. Now, I think the amount of minutes they're playing is part of why the starters have not been that good. They just haven't um, had time I, to get like just the minutes in because I mean, last year they were thin and on the bench. This year mm-hmm. we have at least you have bodies you can put out there, you know. But I, I will say this about the freshmen: in years past, we when Oklahoma State has had young teams in the past couple of years. You see the freshmen out there and you go, oh, Lord. Like, it's just like you see that, like, they're freshmen and they played like freshmen. And you mm-hmm. saw that if, with this bunch. Mm-hmm. But they're not near, not all of them are near as raw as some of the freshmen have been in the past. Like, you can see the legitimate talent that some of these guys have and the ceilings that they have. Now, are all of them going to get big minutes as the season progresses? No. No, but I think you're seeing some of the freshmen separate themselves, namely the Boone twins and Avery Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are mm-hmm. the three that I think of the freshmen are going to get the biggest minutes. If Hitty Rusink can come back, I think he's I think he can be a guy that can fill in for six to eight minutes and be really solid. I think Chris Harris, he is extremely raw, but you can mm-hmm. see some of the ability, at least defensively, of what he can provide. So I I think we're gonna you have at least a legit eight to nine man rotation with Laurent as well. But so I think your your nine man rotation that's going to get significant minutes is going to be starting five, and then on the bench the Boone twins, Avery Anderson, and Laurent, and then after that you can mix and match when you really need to. But though you can see what this team is going to be fun, I think if nothing oh. else they are athletic as yeah. hell everywhere, and it's so fun. So you, I'll let you talk about your guy Avery Anderson because I've been mm. I've been impressed with him so far on the whole. Now, as you recall, before the season started, I said, who's the one guy I can't wait to see the most of the freshmen is Anderson. I am on the Avery Anderson train. Now, he is 
He's like lightning in a bottle. He is so quick and athletic, and he's fantastic. And you can see the potential. You can see this. He was, of all the guys in this class, he was the one I was the most excited about. I know that Harris was highly rated, and and the Boone Twins are awesome. He's the one I'm most excited about. And I think he's – look – he plays a little too fast. He plays a little too out of control. You can see in his shooting, he's only four of eleven from the field so far. Like, it's not, it's not great. He's turned the ball over four times. That is the second most on the team so far. But I really like his potential. In fact, I, I know Keelan's playing really well. In fact, Keelan's playing the best of all of the freshmen so far. If you look statistically, yeah. um, he he really is. I. Six of ten from the field, perfect from the free throw line. Three of three. He's three of he's shooting fifty percent from three. Like he's he's got the he's averaging the fifth most. He's got the fifth most points on the team. He's rebounding the ball well. I think he's really good. I think by a certain point in the season, Avery is going to be in the starting rotation. See, I because I, I think lean, it's going to click. I would lean more towards Keelan being the guy that ends up being the fifth starter. Now, and we'll, we'll, we both kind of have the same opinion here, so I'll just go into this point. Yeah, hit I, it. I love Thomas Azagua. I, I, I think he's a huge part of this team. He's a glue guy type, good shooter. He hasn't really gotten cl- it, you know, going yet, but I think he's going to eventually. I think Keelan's going to take his spot. And I think Dizzy's going to take in stride, and he's going to be a dude that becomes lights out off the bench as a sixth or seventh guy. And... He is he is the perfect kind of sixth man. That's he is the guy that, that when he bench. is shooting well, yeah, and just come in and hit some big shots. Because look, Dizzy's never been the best defender. Yes, and it's always been kind of a concern. And I love Dizzy. A dude when he's not hitting shots, he's not super valuable. I, he provides some leadership, and he he will hustle his ass off. But he's not great defensively, and when he's not getting shots, he's better off not being out there. Mm-hmm. I like him. This is not a shot at Dizzy, and I think you were on the same page. That if he could be a sixth man for this team, I think it would be. I think it would actually take this team to another level because in limited minutes, he can do so much more. And I think it would be big for this team if if one of the freshmen steps up, surpasses him. A, that's better for the future, and B, that's good for this team because you want to have Laurent supposed to be like the senior off the bench who helps with the second unit. I would rather it be Dizzy than Laurent. I would rather Dizzy be that guy off the bench, first one off, sixth man that you're just like he can be there and clo- to close out games, but he's that guy one off the bench that's that that leadership presence when you're when you're going to your sixth and seventh and eighth guy to get that kind of rotation on the on the court. So I'm going to circle back for just a second as to why I think Keelan is going to be the guy over Avery Anderson. And mm-hmm. I think Avery Anderson's spotting for Isaac Likely is going to be really good. But I think – would you – I don't think Isaac Likely or Avery Anderson would be good off the ball on the same rotation. You know what I mean? I would rather mm-hmm. – beca- mm-hmm. just because neither is the best shooter. And if, you, if you're going to have your two guard, either Likely or Anderson, like do you trust them to knock down a big shot? Fair. No, that's a that's a very. I mean, so, I actually kind of trust Likely if he has to hit a shot. Oh, no, I would fair. feel that's bad fair. about hitting the ball in his hands. So, and then what I think this is, and I think Keelan being a starter goes twofold because it allows Cam McGriff to not have to play as much on the perimeter. 
and Keelan can play both. He can stretch the floor and allows McGriff to play in that 12 to 15 foot range and drive toward the bucket. And I think that would be better for just a full starting rotation because then that allows, you know, because Keelan can knock down shots from outside. Then that defender is going to have to play a little bit further off Lindy Waters, opening it up for him too. So I think you have a super balanced starting five of you can, you have Isaac at the point mm-hmm. and then your two guard of Lindy. And he can handle – I think he's done a great job handling the ball this year as well. I think that's been a big step up for him. And then you have Keelan three, and then you have McGriff four, and then an A5. And I think that's one, that's a really good starting five right there. No, I agree. I, I If Keelan continues to shoot the ball the way he has so far, he's hit 60% overall, 100% from the free throw line, 50% from three. Like if he continues to shoot the ball well, he absolutely needs to be in there. Look, no one's shooting all that well. None of the starters really. I mean, likely shooting it pretty well. Yorne is so, awesome. So here's but, my. Can, can I go into Yorne real quick? Oh yes, please. He has a jump shot this year. Oh my now, gosh. now, how consistent it'll be, I don't know. But the man knocked down a twenty footer to start the second half against UMKC. If he can consistently shoot fifteen feet, <laughs> oh my god, it, it's insane. And he almost had a triple double with blocks against ORU. Oh, he went 13, 10, 13, 10, and 8. <laughs> he is... can, we, can we talk about the fact that Caleb Boone has five blocks as well? Man, <laughs> what is it with Mike Boynton and Biggs? It's crazy. And they... Mm, mm. Look, I, I like this team. There's a lot of potential. Um, Lindy hasn't been great so far. And he's he's been uh, handling the ball since last season. Last season, he was, by the end of the year, he was almost as good of a ball of, of bringing the ball up as as likely was because he had to do it so much. I, I love having him on the as the court as another guy who can who can handle the ball. And I'll, and I'll, say, this, I'll say this too about Lindy. If you look back from his, really his sophomore, junior, senior year when he played a lot, he's never started off seasons well. Like he, okay. it takes him six or eight games to get going and just to get in a rhythm. Uh, but I think once he gets going, we're going to see the Lindy we saw down the stretch. It's just automatic from everywhere on the court. And I think, and again, I think this goes back to having Keelan in the starting lineup is that I think that's going to take pressure off him because you essentially just have two three-point shooters. Now, I think Lindy's better defensively, but you have two three-point shooters and Dizzy and Lindy on the court at the same time. Neither really, like Dizzy doesn't shoot much. He doesn't drive. Lindy can drive a little bit, but it will take pressure off of Lindy to have to be that guy, and it'll open up more looks for him if you get a guy like Keelan or somebody else in that starting five. Yeah, I, yeah. If he gets going like he does, I'm I'm excited. I, again, this schedule sets it perfectly. You've got to go to Charleston on Wednesday, and that is not a it's not a tough game. But it's a weird game. You're playing it at a smaller school. It's not going to be a ton of fans there. It's on a Wednesday night. Boynton seems to like to do this. He likes to play a road game at a school like you know Charlotte last year, and you've got Charleston this year. I think this is kind of a thing he likes to do. He likes to get you on the road against a team that you probably should beat early in the season and get you that road experience. I love it. I think I think it's great. I know it sounds weird. It's not. It doesn't hurt your RPI because it's going to be a road win, which means it's going to go up a quadrant, whoever you're playing. I like it. I, I think it's good for this team. I think this team needs this. You know, the the more challenges, the more winnable challenges you can throw at a team early, the better they're going to be. Because again, your schedule sets up after these five, first five. It's Syracuse, 
in Brooklyn than either Ole Miss or Penn State in Brooklyn. Then you get Georgetown, Wichita State, at Houston, Minnesota, and Tulsa. You have a very difficult three-game stretch or six-game stretch coming up after this five-game opener. So the schedule sets up weird and then well, and then it gets tough. So I, I love the way it's it's going. The team hasn't looked great, but I you can see the potential. And that's what makes me happy is you you see guys and what they can be. I, I, I've I've loved what the freshmen have done. Uh, I think you're going to see a rotation. And remember, we haven't even seen Watson yet. That's true. And 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 from all indications, he's 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 going to come back. Now it's going to probably take him a while to it, if at all get into the rotation because that's starting to already get set. Um, you'll see him play at some point if he comes back in, but. He's going to have a hard time breaking through at this point unless he just is so much better than everybody else. Or And I, I'm i excited. I am, I am excited. I know the ORU game was close and that was frustrating. Uh, I know you would, you would like them to see to, – to, to beat a team like UMKC by more than eight – you know, than, than 18, you know. Uh, I have a feeling this Charleston game is going to be kind of close. I don't think they win big. I think they win by like – you know, 10, 11 points. I don't know what the, the line is on this game. I have to, let's see. Is there a line on this game? Does I Vegas even care? I don't think so. Uh, I'm, hmm. sure, I'm sure there is. Um, I mean, ESPN's pick center has OSU as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So, I mean, so we'll see. I... OSU should win this game. It's going to be tough. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's by 10 at most. Uh, but that's a good thing for this team. This team needs to have more challenges because the challenges, are, real challenges are coming, and then being in these situations is good. Yale's a solid team on Sunday. I don't know how good Western Michigan is the following Friday. I am I like what I've seen so far. I like the potential, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling – I'm not gonna go all in. I'm not going crazy, man. I just can't do it yet. I can't. I can't either. Like it's hard, like I'm trying. Obviously, trying to temper my expectations. My expectations are already sky high for next year, which is making this year a little bit tougher to try and gauge. But I will say this: like I said, I think I said it on the last podcast when we somewhat previewed the season. Was I think if nothing else, this team is going to be really fun to watch because of what you they know the future that you see with the freshmen, but how athletic the team is. Like they they have legitimate guys that can come off the bench and make an impact. Like I think this is going to be a fun season to cover. I think because we know what's coming next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 pumped. Sure. I I stand by this as a tournament team. I know they looked a little bit off early. I Cam McGriff couldn't hit a shot in game one because he needs to go to the basket and stop settling for jumpers which is the most frustrating thing he does, and it really drives me nuts, and I hope he got out of the system early. Um, but Yorne is better. Like, Yorne is better. Isaac Likely is better. Lindy's going to figure it out. Cam's going to figure it out. Keelan Boone always already looks like a decent contributor. Avery's athleticism is nuts. This is, this is going to be – I trust Boynton to develop these guys as the season goes on. Guys are going to get better. By Big 12 play, this could be a not just fun, but a, a pretty good team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think that wraps this one up. We're actually going a little long on this one, so I want to try and get out of here so that yep. you know people yep. actually still listen. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? 
Uh, you can follow me at OKTXARPoke. Uh, one final note, uh, if you can be in Stillwater on Friday, soccer team opens NCAA play Friday night at 7 against South Dakota State. They are a number three national seed. They got a tough draw because if they get past South Dakota State, they're going to have to face Santa Clara or Cal, and they'll get that at home, but neither one of those teams are a slouch. Um, so if you can be in Stillwater on Friday, go cheer on the cowgirls. I know it'll probably be cold, but, uh, guys, they could, they, they can make a, they could make a run. It's a talented team and, uh, it'd be good to go cheer for them. Absolutely. You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We'll be back after the weekend to recap a couple basketball games and the KU Oklahoma state football game. And we'll talk to you all then.